Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to the book of Romans, Romans and chapter number one, and it is a great honor to be here with you today, and uh, we drove up um, into uh, your beautiful state here uh, this morning, and I was just uh, in awe of the, the farms and the fields, and uh, it's just beautiful, just magnificent. Thank you for this great invitation to be here. And we checked into the room and walked up to the, the front there, and um, the ladies there said, you want a prize, and, and you're, you're a very significant person. I was like, man, this is great, and, and uh, you're part of this honors club, and I, I didn't even join a club, and I'm part of this club, and, and uh, the room uh, it was, it was amazing, and, and all kinds of snacks and goodies and things I haven't even got into, but thank you for uh, treating us with such kindness uh, for years and years. And uh, it really is a great privilege to be here. I guess um, it was uh, about 28 years ago uh, that uh, uh, my wife and I, with uh, great hopes of going to New Guinea and to preach the word, uh, came here to hope and uh, we got to present everything and uh, preach our, our message, and, and everyone responded so well. Pastor Sal took us out for ice cream, and uh, that, was, that was a real treat. And, uh, I was uh, really on my kids, making sure they didn't spill any ice cream. Pastor Sal said, it's ice cream. It's okay. Let's just relax. <laughs> he said, have a good time. This is supposed to be fun. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, advice has helped me much. I'd like some of that advice right now. Just relax and have a good time here. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And, and now, uh, Pastor Marshall uh, at the helm and, and going forward. And uh, this church has really been a beacon of hope. Uh, for evangelism throughout our country and throughout the world. Thank you for the sacrifices that each of you have made. And this week, as you're serving and working and inviting people in and treating them like royalty, uh, thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. The book of Romans is, uh, I think, my favorite book in the Bible. It's often been called the Constitution of Christianity. It is uh, many people's favorite book. Uh, there are many great uh, summits on this mountain range of truth that God has presented and preserved for us through the ages. Uh, maybe chapter 12 is my favorite. How many of you would say in this room, Romans is one of your favorite books in the Bible? Would you raise your hand? Yeah, all around the room. It's, it's magnificent. Uh, a brief outline of the book of Romans. Uh, it's not mine. I think it's uh, Wearsby's, but it might have been somebody else's before him. Uh, uh, he, he gives uh, five S's. Uh, sin, salvation, sanctification, sovereignty, and service as the uh, brief outline of, of Romans. And it's, it's magnificent. Most people would say that Romans chapter 1 and verses 16 and 17 really is uh, the key 
theme. And so let me read that to you. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. I'd like to pray and, and we'll get started. Father, we love you. I thank you for the, uh, the wonderful singing and this assembly here this evening. I pray that you would bless us and help us. Lord, we long to hear from you. Father, uh, would you open your word for our hearts that we might receive it? And Father, I pray that everyone here would receive what they need specifically from you. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, amen. The book of Romans has the word law mentioned 78 times in it. It's, uh, it speaks a lot about the law. It has righteousness 68 times and the word faith 62 times. Those are the three words that really uh, contain a lot of the incredible application that God has for us. Law, righteousness, and faith. It's been said that, although we don't know for sure, it's been said that every great revival in the last 2,000 years throughout the continents, throughout the nations, has had significant teaching and preaching from the book of Romans. Martin Luther, of course, the Catholic monk, was converted as he thought on this passage. The just shall live by faith. It was John Wesley that was converted on this same verse. Many, many others as well. The book of Romans contains every major doctrine that we as Christians need to live for the Lord and receive eternal salvation. And I think it all came from Apostle Paul struggling with two questions. That as he was going to persecute Christians, as he was the antithesis of Christianity and what the book of Romans is all about, and the Lord appeared to him on the road to Damascus, and his response to God and his revelation was simply two questions. One, who are you, Lord, and what would you have me to do? Because of those two questions, after his death, there was a colony of heaven, a church planted in every major city in, Western, in the Western Roman Empire. And I want to ask this question tonight. What is that truth that so transformed him? What is the philosophy that constantly drove him? And maybe most importantly for us tonight in this message, what was the motivation that consistently urged him on? They say that in the United States, seven churches close every day. Now, that would be across every denomination, and, and we couldn't actually biblically consider many of those assemblies true churches. But churches close. 
and certainly in our denomination, and certainly brothers that would agree with us and maybe be superior to us in their fervency for Christ. But I think many times we do the right thing and have the wrong motivation. You know, the thought is the father to the deed. And the devil would have us, would rather have us think a wrong thing than do a wrong thing. I'm not saying doing wrong things is, is right. Doing wrong things is wrong. But when you think something wrong, you open Pandora's box. And that is what is happening in our generation. Apostle Paul gives three things that show us his motivation. And this motivation, if we can have the Holy Spirit of God impress it upon our hearts, we can have consistency, we can have the power of God, we can have the Holy Spirit of God working in our hearts. We won't be swept aside, and bitterness won't emboss ourselves itself in our hearts. You know what they are. They're often called the three IMs of Apostle Paul. The book of John presents seven IMs of Christ. Chapter one of the book of Romans presents three IMs of Apostle Paul. They begin in verse number 14. His first one is, I am debtor. I am debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and to the unwise. The next verse, verse 15. So as much as in me is, and say those next three words with me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you that are in Rome also. And now verse number 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I just want to give a a simple message here tonight for the next couple minutes about those three I am's. Number one, I am debtor. I believe most of us in the room tonight are aware that there is a big problem with entitlement in our nation. And... Our children and our grandchildren are blamed, and I think rightly blamed, for boldly, proudly displaying their entitlement tendencies. And the solution to that real problem is the heart of this man. Now, we don't know for sure, but... Legend says that Apostle Paul came from a very wealthy home. Uh, we know he, he sat at the feet of Gamaliel, which was the prominent teacher in Judaism. But it's said that his father held uh, the government contract for tent making for the Roman army in the Mediterranean. If that's true, that would make him a very wealthy man. We don't know. It's not the Bible. It's legend. But it would also make Paul, at least humanly speaking, 
that upper class, that man that would say, who are you people? I'm above you. Uh, you, you. You couldn't understand who I am and what I deal with and where I'm at. Now, most of those people today live in D.C., right around me. I've met them. <laughs> but Apostle Paul had a grand revelation, a special revelation. Maybe the greatest Christian that ever lived. Maybe. God showed him so much. But his attitude was, I am debtor. How many of you know what it's like to be in debt? Raise your hand. (laughs) Yeah. Let's speak about the national debt here for just a second. (laughs) I am debtor. You know, when you're in debt, you should work and strive to get out of debt. Now, we've been trying to talk to the people down there in D.C. about trying to get out of debt, but they don't have that concept. You want to get out of debt. You've probably had somebody owe you something and you want to give them a call or you write them a letter or you see them across the way and all of a sudden they disappear. They're really busy. They can't, you can't connect. They're squirming and worming their way out of things. What was Paul's attitude? He says, you don't owe me anything, but I owe you. We were in New Guinea for about 17 years, and we've now been in D.C. for about eight years. D.C. is different than New Guinea. (laughs) Some people say it's one jungle to the other, which is, yeah, that's true. But uh, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of tourists. There's There's a lot of meetings that go on. There's a lot of good meetings. And people come down from all over the place. And what happens is you start to get numb to all these people. All these people coming in, it's an amazing opportunity to talk to people. An amazing opportunity. But you know, the strange thing is, you get used to it. And you think, well, I've got to have my time. I've got to do what I can do. I can't serve all these people. I don't even know these people. I'll never see them again. And I'll be honest with you here. I feel that all the time. And I struggle with feeling I owe them anything. Who are they? That's not Paul's attitude. And I submit to you that is not the Christian attitude. The attitude we should have for every mother's child is I'm debtor. I owe you. Now, what did he owe? Well, God had given him the gospel. God had given him a revelation of the truth. And he felt that it was his job, it was his duty to get that to somebody else. Do you know and understand the Bible? Could you present the Bible? How many of you, let's, let's raise our hand. How many of you say, you know, it might not be perfect, but I could present the gospel to somebody else right now. Would you raise your hand? I could do it. Yeah, I could do it. Yeah. You know what? 
you are in a class of 99.5% of the world's population. Most people couldn't quantify it. A lot of Christians couldn't present the gospel well. And I believe you. So I submit to you that there's two reasons why you know the gospel. One, so that you could be saved. And you already know that. And the second is you know it too. So that you could present it to somebody else. And we'll all be a whole lot better off when we get to heaven. We won't be struggling against sin. We'll be... We'll be in our glorified bodies. Things will be right. But for now, we are here. Why? Because we have something that doesn't belong to us. It belongs to them. We didn't buy it. God bought it. Christ bought it. And it's our job to get it to them. And if I hold on to it, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. Think of a pardon. Say the president wrote a pardon for somebody that is to be executed. And that pardon was handed to you. And you took that pardon. And you've got it. And you need to get it to that person. But... They're not going to be executed till next week. So, you know, I've got a few extra days. I could go to the mall. I could go, I could go visit my friends. I could go do this. I could lay around the house. Because I've got time. And that's what we're doing. You have the answer. You have something that belongs to somebody else. And it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I have mine. And they don't have theirs. And we are the ambassador of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, I am debtor. To put it in different words, Apostle Paul was faithful in his obligation. I don't like to feel obligated. I don't like to feel indebted. I would rather do without. If somebody's given me something and I feel it's kind of got a little hook on it, I'll backpedal. I don't want that. Apostle Paul was faithful in his obligation. You know why I don't witness more? And probably why you don't witness more? Because we don't want to feel like a debtor. We don't want to feel or be faithful in our obligation. Yet we do sing. Here Lord I give myself away. Tis all that I can do. I'm a debtor. I've given myself away. We do sing. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. One of my favorite songs. Love so amazing. So divine. Demands. And say it with me. My life, my soul, my all. I'm a debtor. I'm a debtor. Salvation is by grace. Now, don't get this confused. We're not trying to earn eternal life or salvation. Salvation is by grace. But oh, to grace, how great a what? 
debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Someone said this, I cannot work my soul to save. That work my Lord has done. But I will work like any slave for the love of God's dear son. Can I say that? Can you say that? I think Apostle Paul could say that. His life isn't a tribute to that. A debtor to Christ. Now, we're in Romans chapter number one. Paul says, and he's setting the stage for this oh, magnificent, magnificent book. And uh, to say that Paul is setting this is a great inferiority. That, that's not true. This is the Lord. But the Lord is using Apostle Paul. And so we see there in verse number 14, I'm debtor. But now in verse number 15, so as much as in me is, and what's the next three words? I am ready. I'm ready. I'm ready to preach the gospel to you that are at Rome also. And if you don't mind marking in your Bible, maybe mark in verse 14, I am debtor. And then mark in verse number 15, I am ready. I am ready. You know what ready speaks of? It speaks of preparation. Not only was Apostle Paul faithful in his obligation, he was fully given to preparation. You've probably told somebody, well, by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. But many times, I must admit, I feel vastly ill-prepared. David Livingston said this, Send me where you will, but go with me. Lay any burden on my heart, but sustain me. Sever any tie, but the one that binds me to thy heart. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. What are you ready for? What have you prepared for? I, I was, we've got some, some very intelligent people in our church and I'm supposed to pastor them. So I read all these other articles about, I'm reading all this stuff about neuroscience and all this uh, complexity of the mind. And it really is wonderful. And God becomes greater and greater as uh, I study these different sciences. And I was reading about attention deficit disorder or AD, what? <laughs> and that's, um, it's where you become blinded to the fact that time and opportunity are passing away. And so whatever is there, we'll just grab that. But you forget about the element of time and the opportunity around us. And preparation is to, is to help us. And maybe I'll just wander over here to our young people and just say, um, preparation is not necessarily all about what you want to do or what you're interested in. Now, oftentimes it's really good. But preparation oftentimes is something that you feel God is going to ask you to do. And so you get ready and you prepare. And the more pre you prepare, the greater that God can use you. Paul said, I'm debtor and I'm ready. 
And I don't know about you, but way too many times, I have come up to a grand opportunity and just flubbed it because I wasn't ready. And I didn't put in the work. There was a, just a young man in high school at our church there on, on Capitol Hill. And I was kind of joking around. And I could see he was a very studious young man. I wouldn't say that he's like super intelligent. He wasn't not intelligent, but he was just a normal guy. But I could see that he was sober and serious. And so I was just kind of joking around, and grades came up, and I was joking about, you know, just limping along and getting C's and being happy with whatever. And, and uh, I, I looked at the young man, I said, did you ever get a B in school? And he just rolled his eyes, and, and he, wasn't, he wasn't being proud. He just went, no, no, I never got a B. I would never get a B. I was like, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> I was striving for bees. And it was preparation. It was work. Apostle Paul is this unique guy. He sees himself as a debtor to others. And he sees himself in such, with, with, with such a view that he's got to get ready. What are you getting ready? I believe this. I believe that the greatest opportunities to live for Christ are just ahead. Tomorrow holds the greatest opportunities to preach the gospel. And this week, as we're getting ready and we're asking God to stir us, are you ready? Or are you just waiting? And wasting time. Let me go on to the third one. It's in verse number 16. And maybe the most famous, certainly the most famous of Paul's I am statements. Here it is in verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. There's been many times I was ashamed and ashamed of Christianity and Christ and the gospel. And to my great dismay, my whole, my whole desire to live for God and identify with Christ crumbled. Now, God sustained me, God Lifted me back up. But much like Peter denying the Lord. And the Bible is replete with people that said, if everybody else denies you, I won't. I remember we had started a, well, we were just starting. It was the first night of a street preaching ministry in Boise. And there was a guy that was uh, put in charge of it. And he recruited some people. I was one of the people that he recruited. I was excited. I said, this is going to be great. We drove to the Capitol there in Boise. We parked the car. He had some signs. He had a little megaphone. We're getting the stuff out. He handed me a sign. I'm holding the sign. 
And all of a sudden, the awareness of this situation overwhelmed me. And I remember just melting into the asphalt that day. I just, wow. I've been ashamed. And uh, I, I think at this altar, I've prayed and said, oh, God. I want to identify with you. I want to have something to give. I want to make a difference. Lord, help me. But I think you can't just go straight to confidence. I'm a debtor. I'm ready. I am not ashamed. Apostle Paul is fearless to his opposition. (laughs) Faithful in your obligation. Fully given to preparation which leads to that fearless attitude to opposition. It was David that said to Goliath, uh, look, I've already taken taken care of a lion and a bear, and you're next, big guy. (laughs) And you've got some Goliaths ahead of you. Isaac Watts wrote, Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease, while others bled to win the prize and sail through bloody seas. And God has something for you. And it's not hard. It's impossible. And God gives impossible assignments because he wants to go with you. And God doesn't just want to deliver you from trouble. He wants to get into trouble with you. He is a very present help in trouble. He's there. If he's there with you in trouble, that means he hasn't gotten you out of it. And I'm wondering, just as we're starting off as the first message, and I'm, I'm done right here, would you be willing to accept an impossible task from the Lord. Would you be able to say with confidence, I am fearless in opposition? Uh, wow. No. Well, then we need to go back to one. I'm debtor. I'm obligated. I'm ready. I'm prepared. And I am not ashamed. And when we get those three in order, The power of God will flow through us. And holiness and revival and our communities will change. I haven't been in D.C. that long. But I don't think the problem is the president. Wow. Or Congress. Or government. I think the problem is the church. It's us. It's us. If my people, my people, let's stand to our feet. Father, I am keenly aware. of how short we come. And I am aware that you are calling us 
and that you have not come for us, which means there's something yet to be done. Lord, would you stir our hearts, even right now, as we start this meeting, that we might live for you, that we might go forward by faith, that we would not have the world owes me entitlement attitude, but humility. That I owe these people, and I'm preparing, and I am not ashamed. Lord, bless us and help us in Jesus' name. Amen.